Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. Today is March 22nd. That's a master number, I think, PK. And we have a great guest for everybody tonight. Sally Crow is with us. We're going to bring her on in a few minutes. She is a spirit talker, a psychic medium. We are ready to hear from Sally Crow about all of the things we absolutely love so first pk let me check in with you how are you i hear you had all kinds of rain today in tucson and you're expecting more definitely expecting more but it's dark overcast you know it's one of those dreary days that we've been forced to endure of late but i can't complain compared to what you ladies have been dealing with weather-wise i know I know, snow banks so high. Oh, my God. It's too much. It's too much. Yeah, the northern part of the state's been getting a lot of water. They're rescuing people from getting stuck in the little washes and all that. Little washes become pretty big washes. But uh, Mm. fortunately, it's pretty good here. It's just one of those dingy, dark days. So I thought I'd talk about the meaning of colors. Oh, good. Every color. Every number that we have has a specific color that goes with it, but I'm not going to go into the numbers per se. I'm just going to go into the colors right now. Because okay. In a, if a person knows their numbers, that's great, but red is a one number, and it's great because it makes first moves. It's dark red indicates tense situation, and a light red indicates indecisions. So if you're getting ready to go places or do different things, think about using these colors according to how you feel. If you're into the blue, blue is a color of creativity, injure artistic projects, shows a lot of wisdom, but it makes us think about the welfare of other people. So it's more compassionate. Green, this is good because it indicates a situation that will seek the most peaceful solution more looking for more harmony. So green indicates the least resistance to use. It's the color of honesty and truth. So pay attention to your colors. I think it's going to help you a lot. Where yeah. yellow, if you're doing yellow, 
that's a color that represents curiosity. There's a desire to make things better, which we could always use some of that. Oh, God, yes. And, of course, purple. We've talked about that in the past. It, great ambition accompanies that shade, and it's a lot of energy. Purple is luxury. You think of that as the, the regal color. Carries the power of big profits, by the way. I oh, think I'll wear a purple like that. more often than I have been. Now, orange, that represents the energy that enjoys giving to others. It can indicate its growing of things, of new beginnings, things of that nature. Okay. So it's always nice to wear a color that makes you feel better, and it gives you more empowerment. Brown, well, that says, excuse me, try to sneeze here. Success comes of steady work, and it shows a lot of energy, but it's rather a secure, slower force. Brown indicates things that are hard work. It's a color of endurance. And, of course, black, strong drive and purpose, it's the vibration of dignity. And oh, we seem okay. And enjoy black a lot. White, it represents good and fair judgment and shows the path of the spirit. So that makes it nice. If you think about the colors that you like, think about what it reflects around you. Now, each one of us, whatever personal year we're in, one of these nine colors would fit with that as well. So we have a combination. We don't have to just stay with one thing. We could take a look at what does the color represent number-wise, and also by taking a look at your given birth information, that will also show you what number by color is best for you. I'm going to put something on my webpage about the colors this next month so you can kind of take a look and see how it affects you personally and why you're drawn towards certain colors. That might help. Oh, that's great. And that's patriciakirkman.com. That's the website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. You can also reach That helps. Yeah. And you can also reach Patricia on the Supernatural Girls website, too. We have her picture and her link, and everything's there, so you can get all the color information from there. And I did want to talk about the Endolite Band. As you know, I've been chattering about Mm -hmm. that for a while, and I finally got it. I've been using it regularly. This thing is so powerful. So for anybody who's interested, go to our Supernatural Girls homepage. And scroll down, you will see a photograph of this. It kind of looks like a, a super tech fit band. It does a lot mm-hmm. more than that, though. I mean, it is. these are lasers that are used for cleaning out your bloodstream. It's for health. It's, you can read all about it when you just click on the descriptive link, and it will bring you to the Weber Medical site, and it will explain more about how this works. And as everybody knows, I use the first version of this called the um, the laser watch and for the last right. five years it's been incredible for me and I was very anxious to try this one and all I can say is wow it is exactly what Dr. Weber described it's it's twice as powerful as the original so uh, take a look if it's something that you feel you want to use at home for yourself you can purchase it from the link that's on the Supernatural Girls website, and you will get a discount. So I believe they were offering a hundred dollar, well, it's a, a euro, a hundred euro discount 
off of the Andalite band. So it's quite a remarkable piece of technology that you can use in the comfort of your own home. And I like that. I'm tired of going to offices for whatever reason. I don't care if it's for a massage or see a doctor. I like things in my home that I can use at my convenience. So there you have it. So we're going to start out tonight with a little commercial about Andalite Band, and then we're going to bring on our guests. So just stay tuned. The health benefits of sunlight to our body are well known. Light energizes, light lifts your mood, and light can heal. What if all these benefits were combined into one portable device that you can use in the comfort of your home? The German medical device manufacturer Weber Medical has recently launched the Endolite Band. The Endolite Band looks like a smartwatch but does so much more. This revolutionary band is equipped with true laser diodes that irradiate the circulating blood via your arteries. Each color provides its own powerful benefits. Red and infrared light deliver energy and regulate your immune system and blood pressure. Yellow is a real mood booster and improves sleep quality. Green impacts oxygen supply, and blue has anti-inflammatory effects. The Endolite Band has three programs. Recharge helps you start your day with energy. If you want to unwind and clear your head after a busy day, select Relax. When you need full support, select Recover, activating all diodes at the same time for the full range of effects. Improve your well-being at the touch of a button. 30 minutes per day gives you the advantage, and there are no side effects. Let the Endolite Band bring you a healthier life. Order now at www.wmedicalsystems.com. That's www.wmedicalsystems.com. And as I said, you can find that very link on our website, supernaturalgirls.com. And if you click on it, you will get the discount through our website. So any questions, you can feel free to email me. I'll be happy to answer them. And get your health into your own hands. That's my advice. So how appropriate. You were talking about colors tonight, PK. And they were talking about the colors in the Endolite Band uh Superwatch. Yeah, so, I noticed that. I was, I get this. You must be really tuned in. So, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> After you all, we had a good start with reading, reading this lovely book that we're going to talk about tonight. That's Hopefully right. That's right. I know. Really. See, we're all on the same wavelength. And here we go for another great show with another great guest, Sally Crow. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Sally Crow. She is a natural psychic medium who has worked for over 30 years as a seer. Her passion for the psychic arts has led her to become an intuitive healer, educator, and author. Sally Crow is a compassionate and dedicated healer who helps connect us with our own spirit as well as those of our beloved dead and our sacred planet. Sally Crow, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's great to it's have you here. You have a new book. Yeah. Yeah, you. speaker, a, a medium's guide to death and dying. I mean, this is a fascinating book, and it's, it's really nice, nicely written, easy to read. I like all of that. <laughs> And it has a lot Thank of really you. good information that you can use in your daily life. So tell us about you, you and your beautiful name. Where do you come from? How did you get to this path? Oh, um, so I 
say that I'm a natural psychic medium because I am born into a family that had psychic gifts. My great-grandmother was my first teacher. Um, I just will refer to her as Grammy Brown for this point forward because she was actually my father's grandmother, but she raised him. So he was raised by his grandmother, and she was – her father was an Irish traveler, and her mother was Blackfoot um, Native American. And so she was teaching me and my sister by the time I was like three years old and well, probably before that, but I have memories from about three years old on. So I grew up knowing that spirits talked to me. Um, she didn't call it psychic ability. She just said, spirits talk to you, Sally, it's okay. Um, and sometimes, you know, things because I did, but people used to come to see my grandmother when I was a kid and she would probably be more considered like an Appalachian granny witch in the sense that everybody oh, okay. called her Graham. They came for her to talk to their dead and to show them things. And so my education started as, you know, as a very young child. Wow. That's quite an education. So this was all yeah. just, like you said, natural to you. You grew up yeah. with it. Yeah. And I have been working as a professional since I was 18, so. That says a lot. My goodness. Yeah, a lot of experience with all of this, which is tremendous. Now, you talk about your Native American heritage. One of my dearest friends was 100% Blackfoot. Unfortunately, she has passed to the other side. Yeah, she was Mm -hmm. one of the last few 100% Blackfoot Indians, and she was quite amazing. And I think this life was a little too harsh for her. So, anyway, she's a very yeah. sweet soul. Yeah, it so anyway. has not been easy for people of, um, you know, Native Americans of any kind, to be quite honest. Oh. But I have learned a lot from, you know, not only from my grandmother, but also my own studies. I've been studying the magical arts since I was about 18. And I've worked um, for the last 30 years primarily as a seer in the sense of looking into people's futures and past and past lives, but also um, spirit communication. And I've done for the last 20 years professionally. And I'm also a Reiki master in six schools of Reiki. And I've been doing vocal toning, sound healing for the last 20 years. So this has been my life path. That's, That's great. Yeah. Now, people are already texting me. They want to know, do you work with people long distance? Do you do this by Skype or by Zoom? Or Okay, good. Yep. And so tell people how they can I get a hold do. of you. Sure. The easiest way is to go to my website, which is sallycrow.com, S-A-L-I-C-R-O-W.com. That's sally, S-A-L-I, crow.com. And... You will be able to find a list of my services. I work with people um, by Zoom. I also I do spirit communication by Zoom. I also see people in my educational center in St. Johnsbury, Vermont. Um, and I do phone stuff, but most people choose to go with Zoom because the video option is nice. But Skype is also another available service. So, yes, distance. I see people all over the world. That's, That's great. Yeah. 
It's good that you're so accessible, especially now. I mean, what are you finding with the people that you work with? I mean, it's a tough time for everybody. It's very crazy out there. So what are you seeing when people come into work with you? Are, are they under greater tension than you've ever seen before? Um, yes, and opening more. I've been talking about this for the last, you know, probably five or six years in particular, that I believe that we're going through a psychic evolution and that more people are actually becoming empathic and developing psychic abilities. And while we might think that that's exciting, that's because we're people who want those things. But I've had a lot of people who showed up who never went looking for it and don't even understand what's happening to them because suddenly they're experiencing other people's emotions and they're maybe seeing things that they can't explain Um, So, yeah, for sure, I think that we are going through a major, you know, evolution in human consciousness. Yes, it's quite challenging. It really is. Now, let me ask you a question about the people that come to you. You're bringing up a very interesting point about people that never went looking for this, never really wanted it, and all of a sudden they find that they have these empathic abilities I think that's one of the Mm -hmm. most challenging to have. So how do you help somebody like that? Well, I actually teach them how to identify what's theirs and what's not. I teach people some different skills on how to protect themselves and how to clean and clear their energy when they have taken on too much. Um, I have worked in the same area, like my business grew word of mouth. So I live in a very small Vermont rural, everybody knows that. And I literally grew my business through word of mouth by people who saw me telling other people about me. Um, I even ended up with a book contract because I had, you know, a contact that put me in touch with a publisher, literally come to my house for a spirit communication reading And then I did a reading for my publisher, and that's how I ended up with my first book, which was called Jump Girl, The Initiation and Art of a Spirit Speaker. And that book was a memoir of my life growing up psychic and going through the huge transformation that I went through that I refer to as the November incident um, that led me to finally being a medium for the public. Now, we have to find out, what was the November incident? (laughs) November incident was I had a series, well, it started November, that's why I call it that, but it was much longer than just November. Um, It was a planned opening. So I've always seen spirits. I was reading cards and stuff like that for the public since I was 18. When I was about 30, I had a major opening. I was having regular Kundalini openings. I was remember I had ended up developing full memory of a past life that I had in Egypt in which I did vocal toning. So that's actually where I started doing vocal toning was because I remembered it. Um, And at the same time, I had a team of spirits that were training me and it was all part of a plan that I created before I was born. So um, even things like this, like me being on these podcasts, you know, 20 years ago, I was being told by spirits that I was going to be an author of book that I would be on television. I've been on Gaia already once and I'm going back in May to be on it again. Um, 
So all of these things were actually told to me by spirit and it was really overwhelming. And I'm very thankful that I have such a solid partner. I've been married. I've been with my partner for 33 years. So, um, terrific. Yeah. So I really had a person who knew me really well and who could hold space for me, but I wrote about it in my first book and it's been really helpful to a lot of other people who are having spiritual openings. So Spirit Speaker, which is the book that, you know, is coming out April 4th, is so my first book was Jump Girl, The Initiation and Art of a Spirit Speaker. My second book was The Path of Elemental Witchcraft, um, A Weird Woman's Book of Shadows. And then my third book is Spirit Speaker, A Medium's Guide to Death and Dying. So, you know, my life is really deeply connected to spirit, and I do see it as my life path. Um, I've been doing something with spirit my entire life, but the November incident was, you know, one of those moments where I describe it as being scrubbed down with steel wool and sprayed with a fire hose. <laughs> oh, oh Good my time. goodness. Good times. That's certainly <laughs> to get your can. attention. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> But, wow. you know, it was good, and now I'm very thankful for it, but it was definitely intense. And so I really have a lot of empathy for people who are going through openings who maybe aren't prepared for it, because I had a lot of preparation. You know, I had been raised believing that spirit speaking to me was normal. Granted, the intensity went from, like, 10 to 100, but, you know, I wasn't somebody who had never had anything happen to me. I was already doing things with spirit. Some people are having experiences who've never done anything. They don't even know what's happening to them. And that's got to be really scary for them. It is. Spirit Speaker, though, is more of a book, though. My new book is, you know, coming out April 4th, Spirit Speaker, um, A Medium's Guide to Death and Dying is really a book that I wrote for everybody. It's only about 100 pages long, and I did that intentionally. Um, Excuse me. Because I wanted to answer the questions that I've been most asked by my clients when they ask me about spirit or, you know, the things that they always want to know about, like how spirits communicate with us and what it's like for a person when they die and what is happening when a person is dying um what happens to a troubled soul that passes um you know partially responsible for their own passing so i purposely kept it small and approachable because this book while anybody who's an aspiring medium is going to get some really solid information out of it it's also meant for anybody who has somebody they know who's dying or who has died or is facing death themselves. Well, and also in your book, you talk about recognizing certain signs like coins and things like that that yeah, let you know absolutely. that these uh, these spirits are around. Yeah, and that's helpful to know because <clears throat> I know a lot of people, well, you, PK, talk about seeing, was it pennies that you were talking about with your yeah. mom? Dying. Yeah. And pennies and dimes for some reason, yes. Oh, yep. And Usually I know spirits will pick up something they particularly like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in electrical disturbances sometimes, things like that. But the, it's yeah, helpful yeah. to have a list like you have in your book so that people can – because a lot of people say, well, will so-and-so come back and see me? Will they contact me again? And, and 
I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm going to ask you. I, I just don't think everybody's cut out for this. Not everybody is a medium. Not everybody's psychic. I don't agree with that way of thinking. But I know that, um, I mean, you're obviously very talented. It was a meant to be part of your lineage. And yet you're finding people are just waking up to this, not knowing how right. to do it, what to do about it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's uh, it's really, I don't know why it's happening all of a sudden, but you're saying that it's the psychic opening we're going through. It's kind of like a trial by fire for some people. So, right. anyways, my, my question is this. When you try to help people with this, and you also teach people how to talk to spirit, yeah. what are some of the things you you try to get them to understand so that they can hear or feel or smell something that's going on from the other world? Sure. Well, first of all, I believe that everybody has the potential to experience their own beloved dead. And I look at it more like art, like everybody is capable of doing art. That does not mean that everybody is capable of becoming an artist. Okay. So while we yeah, that's a nice difference. Have, yeah. Yeah, we might all have the ability to perceive spirit, but what level that is may not be the same. So I talk about spirit, the ability to communicate with spirit or psychic ability in general as skill and ability. And ability is what we're born with. And I personally believe that it's what we develop over past lives. And so we've already learned it in another lifetime, whether you think of that as past or parallel, we've already got some knowledge in this life when we're born And the people who have ability are the people who have experiences with spirit without any training, you know. So, like, you see something out of the corner of your eye, you were the one who had that experience at the haunted house, you saw, you know, um, you heard something. You know, those people who have those experiences when they're not even wanting to are people who have natural ability, which means that they came into this world with ability, um, right. skill is a totally different thing. So ability gives you more of a head start, but if you have ability and you never try to do anything with it, it's probably going to be more of an inconvenience in your life than it is going to be helpful because you're going to get scared. You're going to see things that you don't understand. Um, Skill is when we try to develop some understanding and some technique and to be able to replicate an experience. And a person who has natural ability has the potential to reach a greater level of skill, but a person who has very little ability but really puts their effort into it is still going to be able to develop some skill, okay? And Mm -hmm. that's one of the things I like to start people with is, like, it's like anything, you know, like, I might be able to run, but I am not an athlete, so I'm mm-hmm. not going to be in a competitive race, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the other thing that I like to tell people, and this is really helpful for everybody, is that we're all having experiences with spirit. I personally believe that the easiest way to per- to think about it is through um, clear files, or folders like you would put a paper in. So we've all, you know, seen them to put papers in for school or something where some of them are clear, some of them are pink, some of them are green and blue, and you can see the writing on the paper through it. So it's clear. It's just this plastic 
file. And we live in that clear file. So that reality that we live in is that clear file. And we all, unless we're actually blind, can see in this reality. We could consider nature spirits being in the green file and, um, you know, ancestral spirits being in the blue file. And most people are colorblind, so they can't really see into those colors. But that doesn't mean those spirits aren't there and then we're not going to have a glimpse of them from time to time. So when we start thinking about that, we realize that these spirits are around us all the time because when it comes to perception, the spirits can see us, hear us, experience us far better than we can them, okay? And in many ways, I compare it to a um, police mirror that, you know, if you look at it like a police mirror, that the spirits are on the side of the mirror in which they can hear us, see us, watch us. We are on the side of the mirror in which sometimes we think we see something, we have a feeling somebody's there, but we can't quite make it out. And the medium is the person who can go, you know, the cop that can go between the rooms and go, hey, this is what they're saying over there. Okay? Right. Like a translator. Now, when you do this type of work, when you do um, Mm -hmm. spirit speaking for people, I know there's some mediums that basically say, well, it's whoever shows up sometimes. This one will show up sometimes, that one, but I don't go looking for them. And then there's other mediums that will go looking for them and mm-hmm. find the person that this this uh, client in front of you wants to talk to. How, how right. do you do it? I go looking for people. I think of it almost like a phone call. When people sit down with me, I can't guarantee, but I really, there's so seldom that they don't come through that what I do is when somebody, you know, either sits down with me in person or on Zoom or a group of people, because I do seances as well and galleries, um, and if it's, a gallery, they don't have control of who comes through. But if it's a seance, if it's a small personal group or an individual session, then I start by saying, are there special guests who you would like to speak with? Especially with one-on-one sessions, I know that, you know, somebody has made an appointment with just me by themselves. And, you know, it's a really emotional thing for them. It's a time-consuming thing. It's a financial thing. And so I want to make it the best experience for them that I can. So I start with asking them, who would you like to speak to? And I don't want them to give me details. Like they can tell me my brother Tom, but I don't want them to tell me that Tom died when he was a kid or that he had cancer at 72. I just want them to give me the name because it is going Mm -hmm. to feel better to the person if I'm the one giving them the details instead of them telling me the story. Right. But I do ask. And I do think of it like a phone call. Like I think of it like I invite them in. I start every spirit communication session as a sacred thing, which means we take a moment of silence and close our eyes, centering ourselves, letting go of our everyday worries. And then I ask my spirit guide to come in, who I consider my doorman. Um, So he kind of keeps control and helps me with crowd control and and then I invite the spirit. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, I used to own a bar, so I call it a doorman because you know what the doorman's job is. You can come in. Right. You can't. I'll pass the message right. for you. Um, yeah, you got your own so, bouncer there. That's right. I have a bouncer. Um, but <laughs> what I find is that 
most of the time that spirit is is there. And if a person really wants to communicate with a particular spirit and they're going to go see a medium, I recommend talking to them yourself before you even go to the appointment. Let them know what you're doing. Invite them to go to the appointment with you. Um, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I used to see people at my home and how many times I would watch people pull into my driveway, get out of their car to come up to my house, and I could already see the dead with them. They rode with them in the car on the way over. And now while uh-huh. I don't have that view as much, I still have people say, oh, my God, we were just talking about this on the car ride over. I'm like, of course you were. They're talking about it because they were in the car with you on the car ride over. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do ask for people. Interesting. Now, when you do a seance, <clears throat> of course, we're all used to what we see on television with the table mm-hmm. raising up, lights flickering, all that stuff. What happens when you do a seance? How does that go? <laughs> None of that stuff. Um, I think of it like being a guest at other people's family reunions. So I work with a very normal clientele, and I say that like I'm outwardly a witch. I, my second book was actually has the word witchcraft in it. I've but I've lived in this small area my whole life and my business grew word of mouth. So it literally was people telling people about me and I read for old ladies and police officers and doctors and waitresses and, you know, loggers and, you know, really normal people. Like when I have shown friends of mine, like been in a local pub and been like, these are my people. And they're like, these aren't your people. And they're like, yes, they are, because everybody <laughs> has lost. And so I try to keep it really normal looking, you know, because I don't want my people to feel uncomfortable. So, you know, we usually sit around. Like my office actually has a kitchen table in it. I like to sit at the kitchen table probably because I started at my own home. And it, my space always feels homey no matter where it is, and I want people to feel that way. So when they come in, we sit down together around a table usually, and i got a box of Kleenex on the table, but I start with, you know, opening my um, my seance by literally, like I said, asking them who they'd like to speak to and then calling in my spirit. And, you know, I'm spreading a – sacred circle around them when I'm asking them to close their eyes and take a few deep breaths, let go of everyday worries. Um, But it's literally like having a conversation most of the time where I am saying what the spirit is saying to me, or I am describing the house that they grew up in or the conversation that they had at a certain point. Um, But there's no, there's no like visual effects. Right. Yes. Well, that's the Hollywood version. <laughs> that is the Hollywood version. And, you know, you can go. There are mediums who do things like table tipping and stuff like that. And I can do that stuff. But I focus but my gift on, right, but why? That's what I think, too. But why? Like, I am a healer above everything else. Like, I don't have a problem with people who do, you know, haunted houses and ghost tours, but that's not the kind of medium I am. I get, you know, People from bereavement groups come to see me, whole groups of people. And I get spread around between nurses and hospitals and 
Um, I've even had other mediums send people to me because I'm also a healer. So a lot of times I will work with a family multiple times because I allow people to record me. And then I tell them, take this home and play this for your family members who let them take it with some headphones and go listen to it themselves so that they can hear and get the answer themselves so that they, you know, and through that, you know, it's definitely been the healing is my direction. So the table tipping thing is while I can do that, again, it's the same thing that you, you guys just said. is like, why? What point does that mm-hmm. bring to what I'm doing? Exactly. Exactly. Now, in your book, Spirit Speaker, A Medium's Guide to Death and Dying, you talk about troubled spirits. And I know there's mm-hmm. always a question that comes up around people who commit suicide. What's your experience yes. in speaking with people that have taken their own lives? Sure. First of all, I would like to rephrase that to people who die by suicide. And this is something that recently I've been correcting in my own speech um, because committed makes it sound like you did something wrong. And granted, it's very sorrowful experience. But one of the things I explain to people is that in order for a person to make the decision to take their own life, they have already been in hell. Okay. So I'm going yeah. to take us back just a step and talk about how emotions change between death. So I use a volume dial as an example and that if we were to imagine our emotions on a volume dial, that most of zero to 10, most of us go through life with our emotions set at about a three or a four. And a person with anxiety, depression, uh, mental illness could have their emotions set as high as an eight or a nine. And if we start thinking about it like that, we start to realize that could you just imagine having to listen to your music that loud all day long, all night long, no break. And so when somebody dies, their emotions get turned down to a two, which means that they are now able to analytically process through their life. And when somebody has been responsible or partially responsible because overdose is a partial responsibility, they may not have been wanting to die, but it happened driving drunk and getting in an accident, Um, even, you know, a serious alcoholic who may die because of kidney failure, because that's still partially responsible for their own passing. When those people die, they go into what I refer to as time out. And that's kind of like imagine, you know, like putting a kid in a time out chair so that they can reflect on their actions. They can see how their actions affected other people they can calm down. They can get a different perspective. The spirit world's timeout is similar. There's very little contact. You have contact with other spirits that are family members that might be close to you to take, help aid you in your healing, but you're not like a busy spirit who now is working as a spirit guide or is constantly visiting people. You are in timeout. You need to be reflecting. Um, and it is. It's a place of healing. And interestingly enough, particularly I've noticed with um, overdose, it's surprising to me how many people are 
so much more clear after they pass. And this isn't me saying that this is a solution because you still got to come back and figure it out the next time through. But it's saying that, you know, we're living in really hard times. People are really overwhelmed. Opening up empathically, living in a time of climate crisis, in a time of so much information that we don't even know what's real, it's not surprising that people are really struggling. But when a person passes at their own responsibility, they are not in any form of hell. In fact, I've never met a spirit that's been to hell, and I've never met a spirit that's been to heaven. And it doesn't mean that I don't believe that a higher existence isn't possible. I just don't think we get there on one shot. I think we have multiple lives in which we are developing as a soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It definitely does. I know that, you know, one time I saw a a woman that had passed because a friend of mine asked me to look for her. It was his mother-in-law. And she was mm-hmm. a paranoid schizophrenic and quite quite mean uh, to everybody yep. around her. And so when I went looking for her, I found her. But she had two guards next to her. She wasn't allowed to go anywhere. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was interesting to see. So it's not like they have free reign. Uh, <laughs> no. And the guards choices are interesting because it's not just to protect other people. I used to think that when I first started doing spirit communication for the public and uh, my spirits were telling me that I shouldn't communicate with people who had taken their own life, I thought it was because their soul might be dangerous to me. You know, this troubled Mm -hmm. soul might attach itself to me. But really what it is is that when a spirit is around a medium, the volume gets turned back up again to almost being the same as being alive. Interesting. Interesting. So that's a medium is like a battery. Okay. So this is really an interesting thing about spirit communication and why does it happen to some people and not others? Um, Why, you know, like, so spirits need energy to communicate and that energy can be received a couple of ways. One is through the earth's ley lines. So that's why sometimes there's a lot more spirit activity around certain places like, um, you know, either places that have really deep tragedy like battlefields and not all battlefields. So which battlefields have more of that great tragedy but also places that have a lot of, you know, ley lines. Um the other thing is, is a medium. So you can have a haunted house, and if nobody living in that haunted house has any ability as a medium, nothing will happen. But if you move one medium into that house, everybody can have experiences because the medium is the battery. And a medium mm-hmm. who doesn't have skill is a battery that's getting tapped without their permission. Okay? A medium okay. who develops skill... I have much better control over my own energy than I did before I developed any skill. Like, you know, my teenage years were harder for me on that because everything was spontaneous. My grandmother had passed and I was still having experiences that kept growing as I got older and, you know, but I didn't have as much of, you know, like I didn't have all the knowledge that I have now. So I didn't know how to basically be like, no, I'm not going to let you use my energy, but I am going to give a quick tip on this for people. Oh, good. And that is that spirits cannot use your energy without your permission. But one of the easiest ways that spirits 
gain permission is through fear. My grandmother used to always say that fear was the soul killer. And what she meant by that was that I could go into a haunted house and not be afraid because that spirit can't do anything to me if I'm not letting it use my energy. But if I'm afraid, then I'm going to let it use my energy because I believe that it can harm me. I believe that it can use my energy. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Yes, Yes, it does. So I think that one of, when you're saying like, what do I teach students? One of the things I teach them is that fear is the soul killer and that you've got to realize that when you're working with the spirit world, the energy that they're using is yours. And so therefore you are the person who actually has more control. And I used to teach this to my kids, my nieces and nephews, you know, if they spent the night and they were afraid, one of my nieces spent the night and she was really scared. She was pretty young. And I finally was like, what? is it? And she's like, well, they won't leave me alone if I don't have my blanket. And I realized she was talking about hmm. spirits. And I was like, well, just tell them to leave you alone. And she's like, I can do that. And I'm like, yeah, you can. And that changed so much for her. Cause she, before that didn't realize that she had control. Okay. Right. So your energy, your control. So if you are a person who is having these intense experiences with spirits that you're not looking for, Remember, and if you're learning or wanting to learn, it's also okay to tell your spirits that you are going, that you're working on it and they have to go be patient with you. Yeah, it's got to be at your own pace. Otherwise, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. I know one time we had a, a guest on who was living in quite the haunted house. I'm sure you remember this, PK. And the, the whole family was seeing things and experiencing things, and it wasn't a, mm-hmm. a you know, like a good ghost, let me put it that way. But no. they started laughing at it, and it was their yep. laughter that kept them safe. It was a very interesting mm-hmm. story of how they just started laughing at it instead of being afraid yeah. of it, from it. Yeah, well, I was actually taught by five spirits that this was something arranged before I was even born. Every time that they put, I call my first book Jump Girl because I'm a one, two, three jump or rip the Band-Aid off kind of person. So um, <laughs> every time, yeah, it's got its pros and cons. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Every time that they would push me on something, because I was taught a lot of things, like because I'm also a healer, because I also do you know, when I do a haunted house, I'm looking to help the family create a balanced situation. I'm not looking for it to be an entertainment value. So I was really taught a lot of things. And one of the things that they, you know, really pressed into me that was, I I had a moment where I had five spirits sitting in me and I was Mm. losing my crap. And I wrote about that in my first book as well, which I know we're supposed to be talking about spirit speaker but jump girl is really for people who are going through an opening it it describes it very clearly and it might help you but um and like if if you at one point i was so afraid because i didn't know how to make them go away and my spirit adam told me to call my reiki master and then when he told me that he was like if i wanted to hurt you sally would i tell you to call somebody who could help you and that got me to calm down. And then he was able to explain to me that I just need to calm myself down and I could push all of them away. And oh, okay. it worked. 
because a lot of what I, you know, I learned by jumping in the deep end and then figuring out where the shallows are, but it was really about like, I only learn that way so that I can teach other people how to get into the shallows. So, you know, to tell me like, oh, you just don't be afraid would have been fine, but I had to have the experience of being afraid and knowing what that felt like so that I'd be able to help other people if they got themselves into that situation. Because I do, yeah. I do work with a lot of people who are having openings. Um, some of them want to develop an ability of spirit communication. Some of them just want to live a normal life and they don't want to be, you know, because some experiences when you're opening to spirit can be overwhelming. And if you take yourself to the hospital, you might end up on some pretty heavy-duty medication because some of the things that I experienced, you know, if I would have gone to the hospital and said, okay, this is what's happening to me and I'm hearing these spirits and they're telling me this and this one's telling me that, they would have medicated me. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. You would have had a permanent you know? room at the local right. mental so hospital. Right, one of the benefits yeah. I had was I had a spirit who was able to give me information um, that I could get proof for. And so I do recommend that if you are a person who is listening to this who's really wanting to open as a medium, start asking the spirits to give you something you can get proof for, whether it's a conversation they've had that you can ask somebody else about or they're showing you something you can get proof on, um, that's helpful. And especially since, like, in Spirit Speaker, a medium's guide to death and dying, I talk about that when we are sitting with people who are dying, we're more likely to have an experience with the spirit world because the world begins to become really thin when a person is in that gray, which is the term that I use, that Spirit taught me to describe that space where we can no longer get better or we've just died and we haven't adjusted yet. A spirit is then called being in the gray. And that has to do with being in that space where the spirit world and the living world are so closely connected that, you know, people taking care of their loving, living, their loving uh, people taking care of their dying loved ones are just as likely to experience the spirit as, the person dying is, as are people who work in the death industry. So people who work as death doulas or hospice nurses will find that they develop a heightened sensitivity to spirit. Right. Yes. There's a lot of reports from hospice nurses that are quite fascinating about what they're yeah. seeing in a patient's room. Yeah. It's it's really amazing how they seem to get more aware as they do this yeah. work over time. Yeah. That's incredible. Gee, well, this think, is, now let me ask you, I'm sorry, go ahead, PK, you have a question? I was just going to say, do you think that a person knows if they're getting ready to pass? I'll give you, for instance, this individual was talking to their mate and telling them about past friends, everything they needed to do, should do, coming in the future. No concept mm-hmm. of any health issue or any problem. But two hours yep. later, the party that gave all the information was dead. Yeah. I do think so. I think that we start to get a heads up and we start to feel that and that often, you know, when I communicate with somebody who died suddenly, they will often bring up something like, um, I'll say, well, they always knew they were going to die young. And the person who I'm speaking to, their living loved one will be like, they used to say that, that they couldn't see themselves as an old person or 
even like what you're talking about, that all of a sudden, right before their death, they started, you know, giving this information. Because, you know, first of all, we when we die, we don't really go away. And time isn't really linear. Um, it's linear when we're in a physical form. You know, we're four before we're 40. But when we're in spirit, time gets really weird. You know, it can we can go back and revisit moments from our past. We can wait for somebody who's still alive, and it could be 40 years is a long time when you're alive, but when you're a spirit, it could be hardly anything, you know, because we're not taking our time to brush our teeth and go to the doctor's appointment and go to work and, you know, make dinner. We don't have to do all those things. So, you know, the world is really weird, and we're starting to realize that more and more. We're starting to have these consciousness openings that make us realize that not only is the spirit world of our beloved dead right there, but also elemental spirits and, you know, um, extraterrestrial spirits like or interdimensional spirits, however you want to think of it. Um, we all might be using different languages, but the reality of it is is that the separation between the physical world and the world of spirit is getting really, really thin. It is. It is. I know uh, people are seeing things they never thought they'd see in this physical mm-hmm. reality. So, yeah, yeah. There, there's all kinds of, of events happening around the world, strange sounds and all mm-hmm. kinds of ships in the sky, who knows who they belong to. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of, of things. And I think people have come to accept paranormal uh, more today than they ever did. They may not know what to do with well, it, but there's an acceptance that, that really is new. Right. right. But I think that the important thing is, is, like, I talk about the word supernatural a lot. I'm like, the word supernatural still contains the word natural. It just is super. Yes. So, mm-hmm. like, if we think of getting a supersized order of fries, we're still eating fries. We're just getting more fries. So if people are having a supernatural experience, they're still having a natural experience, but they're experiencing more than the average person. And that's the part we have to remember is that these experiences are normal. And I also don't think that this is the first time in human history that we've been going through this. I believe that it's like a pendulum. And that I truly believe that this psychic evolution piece was triggered at the winter solstice of 2012. And when we think about the Mayan prophecy, I don't think that, I think we just interpret it wrong. It wasn't the end of the world. It was the end of a consciousness, an opening of a different kind of consciousness. And that's more like a pendulum swing. You know, we've had other times where the world was super connected to spirit. And then we went through the dark ages of, you know, witch trials and all of that kind of stuff. And now we're coming out the other end of it. And we're starting to realize that this is a normal thing. This is normal for people to communicate with their ancestors and their beloved dead. It is normal for us to experience an elemental spirit. It is normal for us to perceive things that are not physically solid. Yeah, and I think it's very empowering, too, so that so much of this, has been suppressed for so long and 
you know, people have been taught to make fun of other people who are having these experiences, and that was all a form of control. So mm-hmm. a lot of that, that weight has been lifted so people can have an experience and know that it basically breaks the chains of keeping yeah. them under somebody else's thumb. It, it really does, doesn't it? It sets you it free does. in so many different ways. It does, and it's also, I think, necessary because we are living in a time of climate crisis where we have to start realizing that we're connected to each other, that, you know, that the rocks and the trees and the river are alive and conscious, even if it's a different consciousness than us, that there are elemental beings that are here with us, that our ancestors are here with us. You know, like when we start to realize that, you know, first of all, we become empowered. You know, that's one of the things I see is that when people start having a living relationship with their dead, they don't feel as alone because we know that while we might have to go stand up and do that speech by ourselves, you know, we also know that we're not really alone, that we got our posse with us, that, you know, our grandma's with us and our father and our friends and our, you know, those people beloved dead that are supporting us. I call them in, you know, and I give them jobs, you know, depending on what, <laughs> what their skills were That's in life, great. you know, um, I've had, and I joke and I'm not, but they're my friends. So like, you know, I've had spirits find me parking spots at the holidays you know, they could see somebody pulling out. So they're like, go down that aisle. Um, my dad was a Marine. So if I've got to go out into a darkened parking lot, I always ask my spirits to check it out for me before I do. Um, oh, you know, like I, I use my spirit. I trust my spirits. That's wonderful. I love this, giving them jobs. That's really a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Helping you to look out for yourself. It's wonderful the way you, you work with them and you teach other people to do I the same. I also honor them regularly, too. You know, I tell people that honoring our dead is the greatest and easiest way to start forming a relationship with a living relationship with our dead. And that means that, you know, if your grandma loved making chocolate chip cookies, make chocolate chip cookies and talk to your kids about her when you're making them. Tell stories about them. Um, you know, if your dad... My dad was a cigarette smoker. I'm not. I'm probably one of the only weirdos that buys cigarettes and will light them, take a couple of drags, and let them just burn for my father if I'm, like, outside around a fire or something. Um, uh-huh. You know, you might leave a story, you know, like if your father was a storyteller, selling tor- telling stories is a way of honoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and then you have altar how to set up your altars and altars. things like that in your book, yes. which is another yep. great way to do that. It's, again, there's a lot of good information, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, that people can integrate into their daily life. And so it's a great book, Spirit Speaker, A Medium's Guide to Death and Dying, a Sacred Planet book. Is that the name of your publisher, Sacred Planet? So no, um, my publisher is Inner Traditions, and publishing companies have like multiple printings under an imprint under them. So um, I'm yeah. part of the Destiny. The Destiny, Destiny. is the imprint. Oh. Sacred Traditions okay. is a um, collective of authors that are connected to a particular publisher named Richard Grossinger. And mm-hmm. he, I, my first book, Jump Girl, came out through a different publishing house. It came out through North Atlantic Press. 
and Richard was the person who I met who I did a reading for him and then I ended up with a book contract when he changed publishing companies he worked with they gave him his own imprint sacred planets and he has a collection of talent talented I'll say this as myself as one of them talented authors that he believed in and oh, they're nice. his group. And so Sacred Planet is all authors that have a connection to Richard Grossinger. That's nice. How nice. Yes. Yeah. Well, again, everybody, yeah. it's a great book, Spirit Speaker, A Medium's Guide to Death and Dying. And then, of course, you can also read Jump Girl. And you have the Elemental Witchcraft book. What's the title of that the path one, of, the total title? The Path of Elemental Witchcraft. Because there's two Elemental great. Witchcraft books out there. Mine is The Path of Elemental Witchcraft, which is really a book on folk magic and how you can work with elemental spirits and practice magic in your life without it, you know, in a very normal way. Like when you're making soup and going for a hike and taking a bath and all of those normal things are opportunities to work magic. Well, I'm going to take those opportunities when I'm making soup especially. Because I like to make soup, well, so that'll be an easy one. Well, the Path Elemental Witchcraft has one of my soup recipes in it, so you can try that oh. out. <laughs> oh, good. Excellent. Yes, we we have that book, so now I'm going to have to look up that recipe. All right. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us all tonight. And Sally Crow, thank you for sharing your life and your inspiration with all of us this evening. And keep us posted on your next book. I'm sure you're working on another one already, right? I am. I'm where I've got one about three quarters of the way done on the tarot. So yes, oh. I'll have another book shortly. <laughs> Good for you. Excellent. Congratulations. That's awesome. Well, everybody, we'll be back next week with another great show. And again, take a look at that Endolite band. Put your health in your own hands. And until then. We will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls.